Hi, it's Mark from Third Shot Sports, and you're listening to Pickleball Problems. Pickleball Problems is the show where I answer your questions about all things pickleball. Whether you want to talk technique or tactics, equipment or etiquette, give me a call at 1-833-PICKLEBEE and leave your question. Hey there, Mark. I'm a 3.0 player living here in sunny California. And uh, my question is, uh, my forehand is pretty decent, but my backhand return is weak. I'm not sure if it's how I'm holding the paddle or if I'm just not strong enough, but do you have any tips to make my backhand stronger? Thanks for everything you do, Mark. Bye. Now, I'm no statistician, but my guess is that this is by far the most common complaint I hear from people. Whether it's at tournaments or during clinics, by email or phone, I get a ton of people complaining about their backhands. Now, I haven't seen you in person. This might actually be a good time to plug the video analysis program that we offer over at thirdshotsports.com, because that would give me a chance to actually see what's going on. But I'm going to go out of limb here and guess that one of the causes of your weak backhand is the same as most of the people who ask me about it. Okay, here's my top three, in reverse order, list of things that make backhands brutal. Number three, a poor grip. If you're like most rec players, you use the same grip when you play forehands and backhands. You hold the paddle so that when you're hitting your forehand, your palm is facing the net. This happens to be called an eastern forehand, but that's not really important. What is important, and problematic, is that if you use the same grip when you're hitting a backhand, you are going to have major problems generating speed. Having your hand behind the paddle on your forehand is great because it gives a really strong hitting position. Your hand behind the grip stabilizes the paddle at contact. But if you keep the same grip when you play a backhand, your hand's no longer behind the paddle. It's now in front of it. It's between the paddle and the net. And this is a terrible position to be in. It's so weak, you can't do much with it. If you want to have a solid backhand, I recommend using a continental grip on the backhand side. Essentially, the V of your hand, and the V is between your thumb and your index finger, the V of your hand is right on top of the grip. Sometimes people call this a hammer grip or a handshake grip. Its proper name is a continental grip. It might not be as strong as your forehand is, but it will definitely be stronger than your current backhand. You can still hit the forehand the way you like, but you'll need to change to a continental grip when the ball comes to your backhand side. Number two, off-center hits. If you are like most people, you try to avoid your backhand, and you're probably pretty good at it. But that also means that you don't have as much experience receiving the ball on the backhand side of your body. There's a pretty decent chance that since you aren't used to hitting many balls from that side, you probably don't judge the ball as well as you do on your forehand. So start paying closer attention to hitting the ball cleanly in the center of the paddle. You'd be amazed how much more power you can get when you use the sweet spot. And finally, the number one reason that I see why people have crummy backhands has to do with the setup. A lot of people are used to hitting the ball while their body is facing forward towards the net. This is called an open stance. And it can work just fine on the forehand side because when you're hitting a forehand, you're using the strong muscles on the inside part of your body. You're using your chest and your biceps, you're using your core. But when you hit a backhand and you're facing forward, you're forced to use the weaker external muscles. You have to use your tricep. You've got to use the back of your shoulder if you use your shoulder at all. Lots of people just punch at it with their elbow, which is not only ineffective, it's also a recipe for injury. When you watch the pros hit backhands, 
they almost always set up sideways. And here we're talking about backhand return of serve, right? Dinking is a different situation. But when you watch the pros hit backhands from the back of the court, a sideways setup is almost always what you see. Their feet are facing the wall or the fence, not at the net. And when you're in this position, you can then use your whole body to hit. You can turn your body to generate power. This is the same thing that you see in baseball, right? The batters stand sideways, or golfers, or hockey players. They all set up sideways to whatever it is they're hitting so they can turn through the shot. This would be a far more efficient way to hit because now you're using your whole body to hit, not just the weak parts of your body. Feel free if you want to take me up on the video analysis, but my hunch is that one, two, or all three of these things are the main reason for your backhand trouble. Start paying attention to the technique you're using and maybe make a few tweaks with the grip or the setup and I see no reason that you can't have a substantially more solid backhand. Hi Mark. Um, I have a problem that I'm hoping you'll be able to help me with. Uh, I really like playing with my partner except one return of serve, he just stays right at the back. Right like he's planted to the ground. And there I am rushing up to the kitchen and I look around and my you know, partner is five feet behind me. And I mention this to him and like he knows. And he says, oh yeah, 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 I'll, I'll do it. I'll. And then he doesn't. And I, you know, I, I still want him to be my partner. I don't want him to be mad at me, but I don't know how to solve this problem. So any suggestions, I really appreciate hearing them. I'm sure that some wise woman once said, you cannot address a problem if you don't understand its root causes. And this is a case of that. I'm going to guess that the person you're talking about is relatively new to pickleball and not yet super skilled. Maybe a 2.5 player, maybe a 3.0 who plays with a bunch of 2.5s. In any event, your first step is to find out why this person is hanging back at the baseline after they return serve. What's going on in their brain that tells them this is a good idea? I will take a guess. First, they may not understand why moving forward after the return is a good idea in the first place. The truth is, I think a lot of people don't really understand it. They just do it because someone told them they should. So let me clear the air a little bit here. The main reason to rush forward after returning serve is that by being at the net, you have a chance to take away your opponent's time to react. You're shortening the distance between your team and theirs, and this means that they will have less time to chase down the ball that you send because now you're closer to them. If your partner doesn't get that, they aren't likely to be very enthused about coming forward. Second, they might be worried about the lob. You're already at the net, so they may think that if they come up to the net, you're going to be vulnerable to a lob. They think they should stay back in case the opponents try to hit high over your head. So in some ways, this is a rational choice. But what they don't yet understand is that lobs are relatively rare. Or if they do happen, they're usually opportunities for the net team to win the point either with a good smash if the lob's a bit too short, or by letting the ball fly out of bounds. Lobs aren't nearly as dangerous as a lot of new players think they are. Third, your partner might be scared of getting hit by the ball. They might understand the value of coming forward, they might not be worried about lobs, but they may actually be afraid of being injured, especially if they're playing against a hard hitter. So in this case, them staying back is more about self-preservation than it is about strategy. And finally, they might just feel like they've got really bad volleys. They may get the whole strategy thing, they might not be afraid of being hit or being lobbed, but they might have such low confidence in their volleys that they think that they, and you as a team, are better off being further back in the court where you're gonna have more time to let the ball bounce. So my guess is that your partner is suffering from one of these four problems. The first two, 
not understanding the value of being at the net or being afraid that you're going to be lobbed requires a little bit of education. They need to change their understanding of what's going on. So maybe watch some advanced players play either in person or online and point out that in doubles, they return and run up to the net every single time. And notice how rarely they get beat by the lob. Explain that they put way more pressure on the opposing team when they're up near the net rather than at the back. The second two reasons that people stay back, being afraid of the ball because they might get hit or lacking confidence in their volleys, this requires some practice. Your partner needs to improve their skills or at least their perception of how good their skills are so they're confident enough to play up at the net. You should offer to spend some time with them working on their volleys. But look, you won't know how to move forward and solve this problem unless you know what is keeping them back in the first place. So my main suggestion is to have a conversation with them, a light, casual, non-confrontational conversation that takes place off the court, not in the middle of a game, and ask them about why they choose to hang back. Listen to what they say and then move forward accordingly. This episode is supported by 20 drills and 10 games to play better pickleball. If you're tired of playing at the same level and are serious about improving your skills, this ebook is right up your alley. Full of fun and focused activities you can do with a partner or ball machine, 20 drills and 10 games to play better pickleball is easy to use and best of all, fun to use. Get it today at thirdshotsports.com and use the promo code PROBLEMS to save 33%. Hi Mark, I love that you're doing this show and hope you can help me out. I'm struggling with my third shot drop. Sometimes I pop it up and my opponents smash it. Other times I hit it into the net. Any suggestions how to be more consistent? First of all, let's be clear on what a drop is and why we bother to hit it. A drop is a shot you hit when your opponents are at the net and you are not. It's a soft, low shot, and the purpose is to prevent your opponents from hitting the ball downward into your side of the court. Because if they can hit downwards, they can hit hard, and that will give you very little time to defend. So the goal of the drop is to make your opponents hit up, because that'll force them to hit a slow ball and do relatively little damage to you. Okay, now to your problem. Your drop is inconsistent. Sometimes you hit it too high or hard and your opponents get to smack it. Sometimes you hit into the net and you lose the point outright. The good news is you're not alone. This is by far one of the most difficult shots in pickleball because the margin for error is so small. Incidentally, to you coaches out there, please, please stop insisting that your beginning and novice players hit drops. It's a surefire way to discourage them and make them feel terrible about themselves. And frankly, if they are playing at the novice or beginner level, a good solid third shot drive will often cause plenty of trouble for the net team. But I digress. To hit an effective drop, there are two main things you need to control, the speed of the ball and the height of the ball. If you screw up either of these, you're dead meat. The speed of your shot is controlled by how fast you move the paddle, but it's also controlled by the amount of backswing you take. I see a lot of rec players use big, long backswings when they're hitting a drop. It looks like they're getting ready to hit a serve or return of serve with how long their backswing is. When you do this, when you take this long backswing, even if you don't swing very fast, your paddle has gathered all this momentum as it's coming forward. So very often the ball will go too fast off of the paddle, and then the ball goes too high or it goes too long, and your opponents get to smack it. So my first suggestion is to make sure that you have no backswing at all when you're playing these drops. Keep the paddle out in front of you, between your body and the net, and then as the ball comes, just push the paddle forward to play the drop. 
My second suggestion has to do with the target. I think it's a mistake to worry about where the ball lands. Uh, usually we talk about the drops have to land in the kitchen. Because in many cases, the ball's not going to land at all. It'll be volleyed by your opponent who are at the net. And that's fine for you, so long as when they play that volley, they're making contact below net height. So instead of worrying about where the ball lands, let's do this. Imagine there's a window just above the net. Let's say that this window is one or one and a half paddle heights over the net. Make it your goal to send your drop through that window, slowly of course. If you do this, if you send that slow moving drop through that one, one and a half paddle height window, there's a really good chance that it's gonna be a shot that by the time it gets to your opponents, it'll force them to hit upwards and that will keep you out of trouble. Focus on sending the ball through that window and I bet good things will happen. Finally, please, please, please hit the majority of your drops cross court. You have a lower net that you're hitting over because you're, when you hit cross court, you're hitting over the center of the net, which is lower rather than down the line. And the cross court target in the kitchen is much bigger than the down the line target, right? We know this, the diagonal is gonna be a longer distance than when hitting straight ahead. When you watch the pros, there is a reason that they hit most of their third shot drops cross court. I'll link to a video of this in the show notes. Hi, my name is Percy. I live in Arizona and mostly play at a 3-5 level. I find sometimes in open play, my partner and I kind of fight over the balls going down the middle. Why doesn't everybody get the message? Forehand should take the middle balls. That's right. They should, right? Let's do a little thought experiment. Let's imagine that you, caller, are playing pickleball and you're in the gold medal match and there's big money on the line. Uh, maybe it's part of Selkirk's new prize money program where if you get a victory here, that will bag you thousands and thousands of dollars. And let's also imagine that like most people, you're right-handed. Let's imagine that you're currently serving from the left side of the court, which means a return down the middle would be nicely to your forehand. Now, just before you hit your serve, you look beside you to make sure your partner's ready, and you realize that magically your partner is now Tyson McGuffin, or Ben Johns, or Simone Jardim, or Sarah Ansbury. Pick your favorite pro who also happens to be right-handed. Now, when that return of serve gets hit back to you down the middle of the court, who do you think should take it? You with your forehand? Of course, unless you are some pro out there whose voice I don't recognize, it would be ludicrous for you to take it. Because I'm willing to bet that as good as your forehand might be, it's not going to be as good as Sarah or Simone or Ben or Tyson's backhand. Right? Right. So if you want to win that sweet, sweet Selkirk cash, the smart thing would be for you to get out of the way and let the pro hit that shot, right? Their backhand is better than your forehand. That's going to give you a better chance to win the match and win the money. So what's my point here? My point is that rather than relying on some rule, quote unquote rule, that has been around for who knows how long, that forehand should always take it, we should use our intelligence. Middle ball should be taken by the person who has the best chance of hitting a high quality shot, regardless of whether it's their forehand or backhand. It may be the forehand person, but there's no guarantee of this. You might be playing with someone whose backhand is better than your forehand. The thing you need to do is to use your intelligence. Use your words, have a conversation with your partner about it. Figure out who will be most likely to play a good drop or drive when the ball is hit to the middle. It might be the case that both you and your partner have much better forehands than each other's backhand. So in that case, sure, forehand takes it all day long, great. But we've got to think about this rather than just blindly assume that this is the best way to play. And we'll leave it there. 
Thanks everyone who called in this week. If you have a question for me, give us a call. 1-833-PICKLEB. That is 1-833-742-5532. I'm going to be on the road a lot this winter giving clinics all over the place. Coming up in January, I'll be in Iowa, Kansas City, and St. Louis. In February, I'll be in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Boston, Massachusetts, and Hawaii. I'd love to see you out at some of our clinics, and you can get all the details over at thirdshotsports.com. Until then, have a great week on the court.